Have you ever made a mistake in your life? Well, I think we'd all have to admit that we have made mistakes. The Bible clearly tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you know, scientists also make mistakes, especially if you're believing in evolutionism. Well, welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Rill, the president and founder of Creation Training Initiative, where we train others how to speak and teach on creation. Well, our session this time is going to be called 10 Big Mistakes by Evolutionist. So let's go ahead and get started with mistake number one, and we call it Piltdown Man. Well, Piltdown Man was discovered in 1912. What, what did they find? Well, they found a portion of a human-like skull and some fragments of an ape-like jawbone and a few teeth. And it was immediately claimed that this creature was an intermediate link from ape-like creatures to humans, somewhere along that stage, and it was also claimed to be 500,000 years old. It was featured in textbooks and journals as the fact of evolution, and it lasted for almost 50 years in our public school textbooks. Again, the fact of evolution, the true missing link. But in 1953, some scientists decided to take a closer look at these bones. And what they discovered was the bones had been chemically stained to make them appear old, and the teeth had been filed down to make them fit better. The whole thing was a fraud, and today it is still a recognized fraud. A big mistake that lasted for 50 years in our public education school system. So mistake number one. Well, mistake number two happens to be another creature called Nebraska Man. And we all know where we found Nebraska Man, and that's very easy. It's called Nebraska. Now, Nebraska Man was found in 1922, and it was claimed to be one million years old. Now, it was featured in articles just a few months after the finding. It was featured in journals and other magazines as the fact of evolution. Now, what was found? Must have been a lot of evidence because they were able to build the complete Nebraska man, his wife, and family. How much fossil evidence did they find? A single tooth. No more than a tooth. And they built this whole creature on that tooth. Well, it didn't last very long because soon afterwards they found the rest of the fossil went with this tooth. And they discovered it was not a human's tooth. It was not even an ape's tooth. This tooth belonged to a member of the pig family. And you might say it was the first time a pig ever made a monkey out of a man. So there's first two big mistakes, Piltdown Man and Nebraska Man. Now let's take another fossil, the creature called the coelacanth. The coelacanth. It was declared by evolutionists, this fish, now coelacanth is a fish, it was declared by evolutionists to be extinct for 70 million years. And the claim was this creature, this fish, was evolving into an amphibian. And this was based on the fossil evidence they found, a true intermediate link between a fish and amphibian. This creature was growing legs, they told us, based on the observation of the fossil record of this creature. Well, something happened. In 1938, they found coelacanths still living. And guess what they looked like? Not like an amphibian. It had no legs. It looked 100% like a fish. There was a total misinterpretation by the evolutionists. The problem here was that was discovered in 1938. But all the way up to the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, the coelacanth was still being taught in our public education system as a missing link. 
we have a major problem in our public school systems because they're holding to evolution and not real science. So three mistakes already, big ones, Piltdown Man, Nebraska Man, and the coelacanth. Now let's focus on some smaller things. Let's go to DNA. And mistake number four is called junk DNA. And according to many evolutionists, and also in the textbooks we have today, it is claimed that 98%, almost 98% of our DNA is junk DNA. Why is this? Well, they claim only about 2% of our DNA codes for making proteins. Therefore, the other 98% must not have any real use. So they, they assume 98% is nothing more than a wasteland of DNA that was discarded as we evolved from lesser type creatures. That's been the claim, and it is still taught today in many of our science classes in our public schools. Now, once again, that has all changed. A few years ago, just a few years ago, there's a project called the ENCODE Project. That's an acronym. What does it stand for? Encyclopedia of DNA Elements. Now, the ENCODE Project consisted of 400 scientists from 32 different laboratories studying what they called junk DNA. Was it really leftover DNA with no real purpose from our days of evolving? Well, they released their findings in 30 different research papers in many different scientific journals. The result is this. Today, their claim is, and the evidence is, that over 80% of our DNA has a real purpose. See, just because it doesn't code for making proteins does not mean it's useless. In other words, we didn't study this for a long time because they thought it was useless DNA. In other words, here's a great example of evolution thinking holding up scientific progress. Now, the ENCODE leader, the lead analysis coordinator for ENCODE stated this after the project. In light of this evidence, it's obvious that a more appropriate term for junk DNA is needed. Then he goes on to say this. We are the most complex things we know about. It's not surprising that the manual is huge. I think it's going to take this century to fill out all the details. What he's saying is, is our life, DNA, is so complex, we've just begun to figure this thing out. That reminds me of a very appropriate scripture here called Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, and it makes this statement. See, God already told us how complex we are. When he wrote this down in his training manual called the Bible, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Yes, indeed, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So complex, our best scientists in the world cannot even figure this out. So this finding that there really is no junk DNA is inconsistent with the evolutionary worldview and also what is being taught in our public education system. See, our public schools are years behind in science. So once again, the evolutionists are wrong, and once again, the educational system finds itself wrong also, teaching wrong information to deliberately support evolution and keep real science from our students.
Now, let's go to big mistake number five. Did you know, according to evolutionists, you have organs in your body that are worthless, have no real use? These are called vestigial organs. Well, first of all, we need to define what do we mean by a vestigial organ. These are structures that have no apparent use, no useful function, but which represent lefto organs that in their past, in our past years, our past uh, ages, did have some kind of use. But we've outgrown them, we don't need them anymore. For over a hundred years, evolution has been teaching vestigial organs to help support evolutionism. Modern textbooks still claim that we have vestigial organs left over from our days of evolving. Now, let me take a look at just a few of these. Let's just go to three of these. It is still claimed in some of our textbooks that some of these organs that have no apparent use today are things like our appendix, our tonsils, our cossacks, often called our tailbone. Well, what about these? Are, do they really have a purpose at all? Well, it's been known for quite a while that both the appendix and the tonsils are part of our immune system. So they're not useless. Let me read a quote by an evolutionist in an evolutionist journal, in the journal Scientists, and they stated this. Although it used to be believed that the appendix had no function and was an evolutionary relic, this is no longer thought to be true. Its greatest importance is the immunological function it provides in the developing embryo, but it continues to function even into the adult. So the appendix is not a useless organ. Yes, we can have it removed and be just fine, but it is part of our immune system and very helpful. The tonsils, also part of our immune system, especially when we're just infants. See, in the 1950s, they would just automatically cut out the tonsils because they were taught it was a useless organ. You don't need this thing. It's left over from our days of evolving. Well, guess what happened when they started cutting those out just because they were there? We started getting diseases. See, evolution has not enhanced science. It has not enhanced human welfare. It is a staggering problem with society today. It has held up scientific progress and has done nothing but harm humans. So the appendix, the tonsils, very useful organs, part of the immune system. Well, what about this thing called the cossacks? Is it a leftover organ? Does it have any use? Well, the cossacks, also called our tailbone, happens to be an anchor for many of where many of our muscles join together. It's an anchor point for the entire pelvic diaphragm. So it is very useful. Yes, you could live without it, but you're not going to function very well without this thing. You see, all these do have beneficial functions. They do help, but still, in our textbooks, we're teaching they don't. At one time, it was taught there were well over 100 useless organs in our body. Well, today, we really have none. So again, we find our textbooks teaching wrong information because they'd rather support evolution. We need to get back to teaching science in our science classrooms. We need teachers who are willing to teach science in our science classrooms. So, so far, we've had five big mistakes. Now let's go to mistake number six, Archaeoraptor. Now what was Archaeoraptor? Well, it was claimed to be a transition between a dinosaur or reptile-type creature and a bird. 
Here we have the feathered dinosaur, Archaeoraptor. Well, Archaeoraptor was found in China. And after it was found, it was termed deemed to be the missing link between dinosaurs and birds. It was featured in that journal, the National Geographic, and there and there they had color pictures of this creature. What was the problem? Well, the problem was this creature never had feathers. See, what happened was somebody had pasted on feathered imprints onto the fossil. National Geographic got a hold of this and thought that was a fact. Evolutionists were teaching this as a fact, when in, in reality, it was just another big mistake. We don't have feathered dinosaurs. Only birds have feathers. So there's six big mistakes so far. Well, let's go to mistake number seven. Call this the Miller Experiment. The Miller Experiment. In the 1950s, a gentleman by the name of Miller, a very smart man, very good scientist, set out to create the building blocks of life in his laboratory. Now, he wasn't trying to create life. He wanted to demonstrate you can get the building blocks or amino acids by naturalistic processes, meaning we really don't need God for this. So Miller set up the experiment in his lab, and in there he tried to simulate the Earth's atmosphere of these alleged billions of years ago. And then he generated electrical sparks in there and put the gases in there he thought were there. And then he did get amino acids. And they teach that in the textbooks. Miller got amino acids used in life. And that's still taught in our textbooks today, all the way from the 1950s. The fact that we don't need a creator God. It can happen by naturalistic processes. Well, what went wrong? Well, number one, Miller used the wrong gases. You see, he assumed there was no oxygen in the early atmosphere. That has now been shown completely false. Secondly, he cheated. They don't tell you that. See, he had a trap door in there, and as soon as he got amino acids, he pulled them out of there because he knew the environment they were in would have destroyed them. And incidentally, most of what he got was really tar, and that would have destroyed anything in there also. See, they're not printing the science in the textbooks. And then they go on to say, yes, he got some amino acids used in life, but they're not telling you the whole story there. See, life only uses one kind of amino acids. Now, there's many different types, we have many different types. Of the hundreds and hundreds of different types of amino acids, 20 are used in life. But they all come in only two shapes, left-handed and right-handed. Left, just like we have a left hand and right hand. But all amino acids used in biological proteins are left-handed. See, what they're not telling you in the textbooks is that what Miller got was an even mixture of left and right-handed. Yes, some of those are used in life. But in order to have life, We've got to have 100% left-handed amino acids. And no scientist on this planet today can figure out how that could happen because the natural tendency is always to bond left and right-handed. And that's what Miller got. He wasn't even close to life. He got nothing more than a poison to life. So the whole thing of the Miller experiment is a recognized failure and a giant mistake for the evolutionist. Now let's go to mistake number Eight, the origin of stars. Where did they come from? Well, the evolutionists tell us that about 13 and a half billion years ago, something exploded. Well, they don't try and tell us where that something came from, because we all know, from based on good science and logic, from nothing, nothing comes. But they tell us this thing called the Big Bang happened. The great big explosion, expansion of space and time, hot fireball. And from that Big Bang explosion came all the stars, the galaxies, and planets in life. 
Well, how do these stars form then? Well, we're told in our textbooks that we have these great big gas and dust clouds out there called nebula, and they rotate around and around and around. And as they rotate around and around, they begin to gravitationally collapse inward due to the rotation and eventually form a new star. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, it's a big mistake. Because we know, based on observable science, that will not happen. And besides, no one has ever observed a star form. And based on the principles of science, especially physics, stars will not form. Because you see, as those clouds rotate around and around, and they are rotating around, they will begin to gradually collapse inward due to the rotation. But as they collapse inward, they generate something called heat pressure. And this is something we can measure. The heat pressure is always stronger than that gravity and will always cause that cloud to expand outward, not inward. And also as it's rotating around, it's generating magnetic field which will also cause that cloud to come apart. In other words, scientifically, no one's ever seen a star form and we really don't know how they form unless you turn to the real training manual. The book that contains the truth is called The Word of God and it says this, and on day four, he made the stars also. So the whole idea of stars evolving by naturalistic processes, even though it's still taught in our school textbooks, is another giant mistake in science. Well, let's move on to number nine. Let's go back to DNA. We are told that in our DNA, our genome, we are only about 2% different from the ape-like creatures? Only 2% different in our DNA from the ape-like creatures? Kind of makes you want to feel like eating a banana right about now, doesn't it? Well, this whole idea of only being about 2% different in our DNA from the ape-like creatures goes back to 1973. Now, here's what they're not teaching in the textbooks. That, that number, 2%, when they arrived at that number, they had only examined a portion of the chimp DNA and a portion of the human DNA. They, haven't, they hadn't looked at the whole DNA. They didn't tell you that. Now that we've looked at the whole portion of the genome, the whole the DNA, it's not going to be, it's not 2%. Incidentally, if it was only 2%, let's look at this. It was only 2%. Here's another number they don't put in there. The human genome has about 3 billion letters. Did you know if we were only 2% different in our DNA? That is 60 million differences. Why don't they put that number in our textbooks? Well, the reason is that's real science, and we don't want to teach real science anymore. We'd rather teach evolutionism. Well, and the fact is, now that the research has gone through and examined the rest of the DNA on chimps and humans, it's not 2%. It is about 20% or more difference in our DNA. Folks, that is hundreds of millions of differences in our DNA. So once again, another giant mistake for evolution, and another giant mistake being taught in our public education system. There are many other areas of science we can go into, and we're going to save this for a whole other session because there's many mistakes. For example, in another session, we're going to cover things like the dinosaurs died out 65 million years ago? Well, we have so much scientific evidence to show that's a big mistake. Canyons always take millions of years? We're going to see that's another mistake. Something called antibiotic resistance. All right. That's going to be shown to be a big mistake because that's not proof of evolution. Life in outer space, are there extraterrestrials out there? Well, we'll take a look at that one. 
the famous peppered moth being a proof of evolution, the monarch butterfly we used to teach as evolution is happening right before our eyes, beneficial mutations, do we really have beneficial mutations? And what about carbon-14? Does it really date anything? So we'll have a whole other session showing another complete history of mistakes by the evolutionist. Well, let's get to number 10 now. Let's get to number 10. I call this the biggest mistake of all. By far, this is a bigger mistake than they've ever made with any science. It's called the rejection of the truth of God's Word. You see, they reject the fact that there really is a Creator who created all things, as it says in Colossians 1:16 and 17. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. In other words, God created all things, and He holds all things together. It also states that we're without excuse for not believing in this Creator. And it teaches that right out of Romans 1, 19 and 20, where we read this. Because that which may be known of God is manifest to them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, this is the biggest mistake the evolutionists made, rejecting the Creator God, whose name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And you know what His Word tells us? That it doesn't matter what we've done. You may be believing in evolution right now, but you still have time, because God's Word tells us that His mercy and His grace is big enough to cover anything we have done. And it also tells us that this Creator of the entire universe cares for you. He cares for you so much that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die on that cross for the mistakes, for the sins that we have committed against this Creator God. Would you not turn to His Word now it's in, it's in the Bible. And read His Word. It will change your lives forever. Thank you, and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's Word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.